0: Hello, hello, everyone. Uh, good morning, John, uh, how are you? Yeah.
1: Good evening, Tushar, I'm doing fine, okay.
0: thanks. Uh, thanks, people are joining. So uh, it's already at 7.30, so we'll start. So welcome everybody for this UX talk. So this is season three, and today we have very special guest uh, speaker, John Boy. Uh, he's all the way from uh, USA, he's joining today. Uh, so he's, uh, I will introduce him, but just quickly, uh, I will just uh, discuss about few minutes for UX Talks. So I see there are few new members and there are some our followers already there. So US Talk is basically a forum uh, where we discuss regards to anything between design UA, so the experts from the all over globe uh, so they came and we discussed on about design itself and I'm very much thankful for all speakers so far they have come on the us talk so we covered very different different topics and uh, so they already are posted on video uh, on all on YouTube channel so please subscribe that and uh, hopefully, there are a few more interesting topics and uh, they are lined up, so if, if, if this is Season 3, it's going on. Uh Yes, so I'm Tushar Deshmukh, I'm a Founder and CEO of a UX Expert, uh, it's a design uh, service based, uh, based in Pune. Uh, I'm also Mentor and Founder for UX UI Lab. So basically whatever do as related to ux only so this is the ux talk and today we have very uh, interesting uh, and very well experienced i think it is more than uh, 20 plus years of experience uh, we have so we have today john uh, bowie he's a uh, chief research scientist at colorado designs lab uh he's a uh, he's writing book his very interesting book is in mind, of, and soon he is going to publish this book, Navigating Politics of UX. So, today I will request him, uh, apart from our main topic, uh, he, he just give us some insight about the book so that you know, the new book is coming. So, it is very interesting uh, we have. So, uh, John has very vast experience in uh, user experience. Uh, he was like, uh, I think, i just checked it from long. From 2000, 1990, 82, he's uh, working with HP for last From um, 20 years, he was working there. Uh, interesting thing, uh, John was in India. He worked, worked, very much, I think worked with Deloitte, we were talking last time. So, you know how design and UX works in the Indian environment, uh, work culture. So that will be very interesting, and I hope few things that experience uh, uh, we can discuss somewhere in talk. So mm-hmm. once again, uh, welcome John for this interesting talk. And before wasting too much time, I will just hand over to you, and uh, we can start this. Uh, I will just request everyone just mute your headphones and okay, and. Uh, we will open forum for questions uh, and we can have a if you have any questions, please use Zoom chat so you can start putting questions there so we end up the uh, our main discussion we will take uh, questions for you no know, discussion so let's start today's talk so so John please you can start with. Before we co- come to the, our core topic, so I just request one first question. You know, just you can introduce uh, about you know how you started US and what is your journey, and you know because so many years you are in this field. So so that will give a uh, very inspiration for our young participants, listeners, They will they will understand know how your journey is. There. So you can just quickly. Uh, just tell us about how you passionate about UX and how you come to in this particular select domain. And definitely, then uh, we can talk on our two next topics.
1: Sure. Thank you, Tushar. Thanks for the opportunity to talk with all of you today. Um, I have been working in the uh, the UX field for quite a number of years, 40 years to be exact. And I've started, as Tushar said, with HP, and I was there for 20 years. And then after that, I moved on to a number of other companies. And in my experience, um, you you are going to encounter a variety of levels of UX maturity within your organizations. Sometimes you will not have, um, you you can be the only person. I've been a one-person UX shop myself. At other times you'll be in a very mature organization that really understands the value of UX and uh, invests in it. So what I wanted to talk to you today, and I'll I'll start sharing my screen, is um, exactly how you can work in an organization that could be at any level of UX maturity and advance that organization forward to a, a more mature state. And the way that you do this, I believe is through a breakthrough project. I've tried to advance the culture of my companies through incremental design changes and evangelizing to the crowds to try to get them to understand exactly the services the UX team provides and the value that they provide. But I've found that if you can come up with a breakthrough project you can engage the entire organization and get everybody on board with the value of user experience design so what i want to do today is tell you a story about how i did that and this story took place at a company called edmentum which is an education technology company and um, so let me get into it so you're probably familiar with the uh, user experience maturity model that Nielsen Norman Group has produced. They recently updated this. Uh, used to be, I believe, eight levels of maturity. I think they're now down to six. Um, if you haven't uh, gone out to their website, there's the website right there nngroup.com and take a look at this. It's really very valuable. When I started working at Admentum, I believe that we were at level three, which is the emergent level. I was the first director of experience design there. They had not hired any sort of senior leadership to lead the UX team there. And in fact, we only had two UX designers to cover three products, uh, which would all release simultaneously. So in that respect, they were very immature. But they did start, they they did at least understand the value of user experience to the point where they hired a a director level position to lead it. So the first thing that I did when I joined this company is I went on a listening tour and I would really recommend this to everyone, uh, especially if you're starting a new job with a new company. But even if you've been in your current job for a while, if you haven't gone out and asked for 30 minutes with... The leaders of virtually every functional area within your company to just understand what their understanding of ux is um, what's keeping them up at night how can user experience design work with them to improve things Uh, you should definitely go out and do that so i did that i i first day of my job i talked to my boss i said give me a list of people i can talk to in all these various functional areas And I went out and and um, spoke with them. I also went out and listened to customers again because user research is absolutely critical to making um, inroads in UX maturity. So I visited a customer and this customer had just been trained in the use of our product a week earlier, but it had now invited the professional services trainer back for a second session because they realized everything that they were taught in the first session, they had already forgotten. And so they needed to take uh, notes to create a cheat sheet basically to uh, to capture what they needed to know in order to use our product effectively. So I'm gonna play for you a video of that very um, research visit. Just a little clip of it. Uh, before I do that, I just want to make sure, yeah, everything seems to be okay. So hopefully you'll be able to hear this. Administration,
0: you
1: know, administration, choose class, choose student. Just, it's just, it just seems like it's longer
0: and more convoluted than it used to be.
1: So you would just want to click on a student and then... You have a
0: choice of things that you do with that student. Uh-huh. Makes you can sense. edit it, you can
1: delete the student, you can manage the student's hours or whatever. Any action you can take on a student right. is right there associated with that right. student. You just pull up the class uh-huh. and there's the class and you, you pick the student and then uh, once you pick the student, it, you could cho- choose what to do with that student mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from there. That's just an idea. Yeah, no, it's a it's a very good idea. That's why I'm here.
0: It just, it's just.
1: Uh... So, when you go out and you do user research, a lot of times your users, your customers, are going to tell you exactly what you need to do next in order to move the experience forward, and make it easier for them to use, and that's exactly what happened there. She was telling us, you know, I ought to be. I, my focus is on my students, and I ought to be able to look at my students and choose one and be able to do whatever it is I need to do for that student, whether it's give them an assignment, grade an assignment, send a message to them, uh, understand if they're engaged with their learning or not engaged and what I might need to do with that. So we came up based on our interview with this customer, a breakthrough concept. This is what the product was like beforehand. And what I'm trying to convey here is that in order for someone to achieve a result with our product, to get something done, to get an assignment, whatever it might be, they had to click and click and click and click into many, many different screens in order to accomplish that result. And so what I was trying to say here is, you know, our customers are calling our product the clicky system because it takes so many clicks in order to get anything done so how can we take what we learned from the user research and redesign it so instead of focusing on the application which is what this design was all about it was about you know here's here's all the functions exposing all the functions that the product has let's change that design framework and make it my world design in other words teachers can, are concerned with their students so let's let them see their students when they log in instead of all of this functionality spread all over the screen. So that's what we did. We wanted the teacher, in effect, to be able to look at the computer screen or look at their iPad screen, and it was almost a transparent view into their classroom. So we went from this, which is the way the product was designed before, which is just a bunch of functionality arranged in what, one, two, three, four, five, six different categories to this. This was our prototype design, where we had these little cards. And on each card was a student. And it gave the very the, the basic statistics about the student. When did they last log into the product? How long did they work in the product? What was their last activity? What What assignment were they working on? And so the teacher could look at this and get a broad view of what's going on. We gave a set of alerts, there's the little kind of triangle there pink triangle that means that they've been inactive for a while they haven't been doing anything they could also filter on the left hand side to find out if just show me students who have sent me a message just show me students who have sent something in that I need to review and score just show me students that uh, you know are online now that sort of thing so it was a quick view into what their students were doing so I hired this outstanding expert designer whom i had worked with before in another company and he and i and um, a guy who was really good at prototyping at coding worked together uh, to try to come up with a compelling interactive prototype demonstrating this new concept that we wanted to sell to the company we did this by working underground okay Um, Another thing I would recommend to you is the intrapreneur.com. It's not entrepreneur, it's intrapreneur. This uh, person here, Gifford Pinchot III, has come up with a set of 10 commandments for intrapreneurs. And we were concerned with uh, number four there, where he says under promise and over deliver, publicity triggers the corporate immune system. This is something I had experienced in past jobs where You might come up with a really great idea, but as soon as you try to propose that idea to others, they say, well, I didn't think of that. That's not my idea. It's not invented here, the NIH syndrome. Therefore, I'm going to do everything I can to undermine and I won't support you, right? So that's why in an earlier version of the entrepreneurs, Tink Bandits, he actually said, work underground as long as you can to avoid triggering the, the public, the corporate immune system. So that's what the this little team did we worked underground we didn't tell anybody what we were doing we just uh filled in some time uh worked over time to try to get this uh, prototype together after about a month and a half two months we had a fairly compelling prototype that we could share with the leadership team so all the leaders of the company, the vice presidents, the CEO, um, all the, of the senior leadership, C-suite people gathered together in a room. And my boss, who was the chief technology officer, gave me about 30 minutes to kind of introduce myself to the organization because I was new and, and, and talk about this concept that we were going to propose. So I showed him a video clip yeah, that I showed you just a few moments ago so we could have a real customer telling us exactly what they needed. And then I showed the prototype. And I'm gonna play another little video for you. This is a video actually of the prototype. Uh, it looks like the product, it's not the product. This is early on. Uh, and uh, this is the actual prototype that we showed the uh, senior leadership team. But it's in the, in the context of a kind of a marketing video that mentioned produced.
2: In any voyage of discovery, it helps to have a guide. It also helps to have a solid chart to map that discovery. This is Sensei, a platform where data-rich analytics come to life. Intuitive charts, graphs, and visual cues provide educators with a real-time picture. Sensei allows teachers to interact seamlessly with student data make faster, more informed decisions through comprehensive analytics, and visualize and track overall student progress. This balance allows teachers to focus their attention where it's needed the most. Take a moment and imagine you're a credit recovery teacher with 28 students taking courses in biology, English, and geometry. Sensei gives you the insight you need to check student progress across all classes It also allows you to narrow in on a specific class. From here, you can see whether or not an assignment has been completed by a student, or whether a student has stalled out or failed an assignment. Sensei informs you of those students who need the most help, so you can address their needs in a direct and comprehensive way. From here, you can add supplemental assignments and tasks to help out struggling students. Sensei also serves as a communication point for classroom collaboration and peer-to-peer mentoring. You can reach out to students to see if any risks are on the horizon, if students have encountered any issues throughout the day, or get a quick view of recent activity.
1: Okay, so one thing you might notice there as you watch the little prototype is that the cards, the student cards are flying all around the screen, right? People at the executive level like a little bit of, uh, as we say here, sizzle in their steak. They like something that's uh, kind of cool to watch. And so by animating these, uh, these cards, it just gave them a little bit of, wow, I didn't expect that. This is not just screen by screen by screen. Things are really flying around and moving around here. And uh, they were very impressed with that. So what happened was at the end of this presentation, the executive leadership seemed team, did, wow, the CEO uh, exclaimed, this could be an entirely new product. And um, I left the meeting at that point, but my, uh, my boss told me later that uh, my presentation had really just blown up the whole meeting. And they started saying, okay, we have this roadmap for the fiscal year, how are we gonna change it? What are we gonna not do so that we can do this? Big success, big success. So then I made my mistake. I had to work with the development leader, with the product owner leader, and um, they were not happy with me. Why? Because I had worked underground and I had produced this very compelling and very polished looking prototype for this product. They had no idea that I was doing this. And so, This was my mistake, and this is why I'm writing this book, The Politics of UX, because besides design, besides solving user problems, you also have to deal with the internal politics of your organization. And I didn't do that this time. I I worked underground too long. I should have surfaced this concept earlier in the process. Worked with them, gathered their ideas, because they did have good ideas. The development manager, the product owner, the chief product owner, They had some great ideas about how this product could be improved. I should have gone out to them. I should have met with them. I should have shown them a less polished prototype and enlisted in their support and say, look, guys, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere or not, but I really need your help. I really want to work with you and get your ideas because you've been at this company a long time. You've talked to users before. How can we make this better? How can we make this go? And then I should have gone to the executive leadership team. With the development manager, with the product owner manager, and together we should have presented this concept. So so I almost blew it. But we recovered, took a while, but eventually we had this four legged stool, what I call the four legged stool. It's the uh, user experience lead, the development lead, the product owner lead, and then Some other people we might bring in from the support organization. We might bring them in from uh, marketing. we might bring them in from a number of different areas, but we would all gather around the designer's computer and we would work together to refine the design. And that's how we got everybody to get on board with us. The other thing we did to get the whole organization engaged was to uh, do usability testing. And we did it in a laboratory setting where uh, there was an observation room. We would invite people to come, we would serve them dinner and they could watch uh, the usability testing for the product. So that got everybody excited about it as well across the entire organization. Marketing came to me and they said, we wanna work directly with you to brand this product. Uh, We're going to work with an outside company to come up with a name for the product, with a logo for the product, with a color palette for the product and so on. So they engaged this outside firm. I would meet with them uh, on a regular basis as they gathered information about what this product was really all about so they could get the messaging correct. They would share their early concepts for the, uh, the logo and the palette and all that sort of thing. And Eventually we came out with the name Sensei Uh, as the name for the product. That was very exciting to get marketing's um, excitement about this. And then they would go out and they'd promote it, right? There'd be a lot of stuff on the website. This is actually a different version of the product that was used on a different uh, product, uh, interface to the product. And um, so it was just wonderful to get that kind of attention and and, uh, publicity really within the company we would go to trade shows. There's a large trade show for education technology called the ISTE Conference. And uh, Edmentum had a very, very large booth there. And uh, Sensei was one of the main things that they were promoting at this conference. This is a picture from one of the conferences. People would come by the booth and they would sit down at the table and uh, we would demo Sensei to them. The other thing we did that was really exciting was we took our prototype and we turned it into a release preview. We wrote a script about it uh, with stories and we would um, actually give it out to salespeople, our sales organization. And months before, since it was going to be released, actually produced it and put out there for people to buy, um, the salespeople were able to show the prototype and get them excited. And the prototype and the new concept was responsible for generating a lot of new revenue for the company as well as renewals of existing customers the joke around the, the company was we really should give the user experience team a quota a sales quota because they are so responsible for really increasing the company's financials product was released you know this is an example of where you might be meeting with a with a A a company that's uh, buying our product, and and the salesperson would demo it to them and uh, get them all excited about it. But the product was released, and then we started measuring its impact on the business. And this is the other key thing: to really make uh, a splash at your company, to really move it forward in UX maturity, you need to measure it, and you need to use metrics that matter to the company, such as sales, such as renewals, such as just the the general um, buzz in the market, its ability to win product shootouts, that sort of thing. And one of the things that uh, we did find was when we first released Sensei on this one product, Study Island, we gave customers the option of either using Sensei as their primary user interface or using the existing legacy user interface. And we measured and found that Customers who switched to Sensei from the legacy interface were something like 20% more likely to renew their contracts with the company than those that kept the old version. So, that again is a very important metric. So, we had moved by the end of this process from the emergent level to the user driven level, to level six. I believe, and it was wonderful. Um, if you've never been able to work in a company that is really completely centered on the user, that believes that user experience is vital to the company's success. I hope that you get to experience that at some point. So that's my story of Sensei and how it was used to move the company forward and all the politics that uh, I had to go through to make it work. The book as Tushar was mentioning is coming out. Um, I'm in the formatting process right now it may come out this coming week. It may be the week after, but it's very close to being done as soon as the formatters are done with it. And it describes four main areas of political um, theater, basically, that you need to be experienced at. One is about recruiting allies, getting people from all the different functional areas in your company to join the UX effort. It talks about how they can make you succeed and how you can make them succeed. Talks about changing culture. There are a lot of myths that companies still have about design and about their products and about their users and how to dispel those myths. Talks about uh, selling UX. Um, you know, what are the what's the business case that you need to make in order to, to move forward? So um, that will be coming out. And um, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll be able to get an announcement when that actually happens. And if you have registered for this. Um, this talk, um, we'll also be sending a notice to you as well. So, with that, I'd like to open it up for questions. If you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them.
0: Yeah, uh. thanks, thanks, John. I think uh, I think you will explain the exact journey of any product, and I think this must be any um, for anyone for you know, they are they are joining in you know, a new corporate structure. How they can Work and how you handle the politics and everything. So, that is really a uh, interesting journey you have explained. How and how the product become end of the day successful. Uh, so, I just uh, open for questions. So if anyone has question, please uh, just put on a joke chat. Uh, so, yeah, meanwhile, if everyone is ready with questions, so I have one question for you, John. Uh-huh. So yes, uh, definitely UX maturity is now a uh, hype. Uh, we need to now talk about this topic because there is at one point, UX is as a career, people are going more and more for US career. And there is always, you know, we say the no, grass is a greener at other side. So people are thinking UX is a totally a different game. Uh, but once they enter into, you know, corporate sector and they start doing working, then they realize, no, they are, they joined as a UX designer, but they are working as a graphic designer. So a lot of issues are there. So my simple question is, you know, uh, the people who are just starting their career and they have just dream about their, you know, dream job as a UX practitioner. So what is the very first advice you will give to these? young people.
1: Again, go on the listening tour, talk to people, understand how you can help them. After you go on the listening tour, you'll come away with uh, some patterns that you see about, okay, here's some common things that we can do to improve the user experience and improve the user experience team's relationship with the rest of the company. You then go and prototype, um, solutions, potential solutions, and then you go back to those people and you say, I heard what you said. I'm taking action on it. This is what I think might be a solution to the problem that you just identified. Is this uh, something that you could work with me on to refine? And again, get the other functional areas engaged. Don't just be throwing things over the wall, as they say, right? You, you want to get their input. They have a lot of experience. They have a lot of insight into their own functional areas." And that's why it's really important to understand what are their drivers? Um, how are they measured? How can you help them uh, meet those measurements and those metrics that they're responsible for? So it's, it all boils down to research. I, I, in my book, I talk about research is the solution to everything. And if you don't have a research budget, Don't let that stop you. You can find people perhaps that are buying your products that are near to you. It doesn't require an overnight stay or travel. Or you can just ask your product manager or your sales team for a list of users who will be willing to talk to you. And then get on Zoom and have an interview with them that way. Have them share their screen. Have them show you how they're using their product. Record their frustrations. If you have a call center, go talk to the call center agents. What are the issues that are coming across into through the calls, how can you work with a support organization to solve those problems? So it's all about research and then it's about prototyping. Create a prototype. You can't just put up a PowerPoint presentation with a bunch of bullets on it and expect people to get excited. You have to actually build a prototype of your design concept and then share it with people and get them excited that way.
0: I think that was great. I think that was quite good learning. Uh, okay, so uh, that, uh, I have last question, and then we wrap up the thing. I already we have passed, you uh, know, almost we uh, talking more than 50 minutes. Uh, so last question is, you know, uh, yes, there are many times when you work with such uh, software as you. The, your even example was there where there is a legacy tool is uh, people are already using. That time, how you deal with mindset of a people, you know, because at one point, as you said, you go underground, uh, undercover, and you do something. Then I think you have to battle two, two fronts. You have to deal with customer also. At one point, you have to battle with your internal team also. Uh, because yes. they are already must have some egos, some must have some I know concepts, you know, I'll, and maybe you are the new joiny there, and, you know, people may say, who the hell are you, why, why are you are changing our life, right? Then, maybe you experience or not experience, that doesn't matter. But you are bringing ideas on the table. So, and I saw many designers, uh, when such situation comes, they collapse. They just surrender themselves to the technical team and they know. Uh, in that situation, what is the best strategy for, you know, how to uh, Tackle this issue and how to overcome it? How can po- prove your point
1: there? There's a number of ways that I I've found in my career that have been helpful there. Um, in part two of my book, I talk about the five deadly myths of design. And I can't go into detail about them here. It would take too long to really explain it. But one of the myths is the myth of the user, that you actually have users. You don't have users. The user is the person who is ideally suited to use your product. That means they know all your terminology, they know the workflows, they know everything that they need to know and do to be successful in getting results with your product. Well, there's nobody like that in the world. So you, you have to work with the development team to, to, to get them to understand that you're not just designing a product, you're designing a system for achieving results. And one of the components in that system is a human being. And the human being is not gonna be uh, malleable. It, it's, you're not gonna be able to change the human being. So you have to design the product to accommodate the constraints of the human component. Once you get the development team to buy into that idea and they are concerned with creating a reliable system, then they can be much more open to the user experience designer saying, hey, I know you designed this feature. Nobody knows it exists because it's buried somewhere in the user interface. I can help you with that. I can come up with this redesign that that brings the feature to the top so people can start using it. And all this work that you put into the feature will actually now be of value. Right now, it's not a value. What's the value of a feature that's not used, right? And so that's one of the myths. The other the myth is the myth of the, the product, again, that people don't buy products, they buy results, right? I bought this product so I could achieve a result. If you don't really focus on the results, um, you're not going to have a successful product. So you have to get that mindset change, as you said. There's about five different mindset changes that you often have to work on in order to get an organization to move up in UX maturity. And um, I know that's a a kind of a (laughs)
2: Yeah, hard, it's a hard
1: question to answer, yeah. right? Because right. It, Definitely.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think today I think we have a very interesting topic. And I think every who practice UX or, you uh, know, IT setup, right they, I think a lot of you, whatever you say today, they are must be you, they can follow or they can take inspiration from them uh, and really I thank for your time and uh, bring this UX maturity subject to the audience. And definitely uh, there are a lot of learning here. Uh, yes, uh, if you have any more questions, we can put out on uh, our YouTube channel or we'll try to get answers there. Uh, thanks once again, John. Uh, thanks, uh, participants. They have come live for the session. So eventually next couple of weeks, I will upload this video on our YouTube channel. So we can have, okay. Uh, also, we are waiting for your book, uh, hopefully, <laughs> uh, that will uh, come soon and uh, I, we get more insight about how this uh, while day-to-day life, you know, we work, what, how this politics and this stuff is working. And definitely there is a huge learning curve for, uh, I think, any uh, UX designer, maybe it is a fresher or experience or any f- sort of, ex- that. I think book will be a very eye-opener for many people. Also, I think uh, I will give this book to many decision makers also because they are the people who make our life like light, <laughs> nightmare. Right? So uh, I think I, I think the decision makers should read this book very good. <laughs> okay. Thanks once again. Uh, thanks for time. So next our US talk uh, is on usability metrics. So that is happening on. Uh, January, uh, it is on 9th January. Uh, so stay tuned for more UX uh, related discussions. Uh, once again, thanks John for your morning time. You have given us Sunday morning time mm-hmm. for us. And hope uh, we will collaborate as we're discussing some other uh, in front and soon uh, more activities we can. And thanks again, once again. Uh, uh, I just just today we'll close this uh, wonderful discussion. I know it is very quick, but people have very really interesting talking, but we have to constrain time. Uh, thanks and take care everybody. Till uh, the COVID situation is there. Please stay safe, uh, do get vaccines properly, uh, and take your family, loved ones, everyone, okay? Thanks. Thanks, John. Yeah. Thank you,
1: Tushar. It's been my pleasure.
0: Right